Just a quick content warning before we start this week's episode. There is a scene of sexual assault in the film that we reviewed this week, and we will briefly discuss it, not in detail. Also, David and I will discuss issues of racism and representation throughout the entire episode. So if either of these subjects are sensitive for you, please feel free to skip this week's episode or make sure to listen to it at a time when you feel comfortable hearing about those subjects. And welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture in order from the very first award ceremony to eventually the present year. My name is Susan Araslin. I'm David Daw. This week we watched Shanghai Express with Marlena Dietrich. And oh, I have such conflicted feelings about this movie. <laughs> it, yeah. I think what I sent to you in a text is that, like, everything about this movie is extra as fuck. And unfortunately, that includes the racism. <laughs> because otherwise, I could really, like, unreservedly love this movie because Marlena Dietrich's outfits are amazing. Oh the my cinematography God. <laughs> is amazing. A lot of the dialogue, I kind of, like, it gets into this... I really like it when movies get into, like, a weird dialogue rhythm that you could argue is, like, bad, but wor weirdly works really well. You would think a hyper-specific thing, but comes up a lot. And this movie totally does that, and I love it. It's just that literally the first shot is a white dude in a stereotypical Chinaman outfit hitting a gigantic gong. And, like, it, it goes from there. Yeah, I mean... It's, it, it's difficult to call this movie out-and-out out racist in the same way that something like in old Arizona or even Cimarron is. The white people in the movie who are portrayed as racist and are just rather casually racist all the time are not sympathetic characters. Not specifically because of their racism, but that's one facet of their basically stuffy... Anglo-Saxon or American perspective on the world. And yet the movie then will fall back into caricatures of Chinese people in its portrayal of Chinese people. So yeah, it's it's really difficult to tell where that line is always. I think you're right that like the most out and out racist characters in this movie are portrayed as racist. They are supposed to be racist. And we're supposed to not like them because of it. Exactly. But there's this weird line because the movie itself will do some pretty racist things. And because those characters are presented as kind of morally gray, with the exception of the villain, nobody in this movie is really presented as entirely good or entirely evil. And so it, you cannot always tell when a racist thing they say is supposed to be like a horrible sign that they're racist. Or when it's the movie's judgment of China, it's really uncomfortable for that reason. Because sometimes characters will just say, like, welcome to China, where, like, life and, and time have no meaning. And you'll be like, 
I'm pretty sure that person's supposed to be an asshole, <laughs> but I'm not entirely certain that person is supposed to be an asshole, and this movie isn't the asshole. Right, exactly. And there's also, again, the portrayal of specific Chinese people in this movie is very stereotypical. Anna Mae Wong looks absolutely gorgeous as Hu Fei and is definitely a sympathetic character. She also has, like, three lines. Despite being a major character who is present in a number of scenes, she is silent and demure and hypersexualized. Though they do address that when she is approached by the American guy who likes to bet on absolutely everything, and he assumes that she will have sex with him for money, or just at all, and she pushes him out of her room. Right. But she still is given very little to say or do or very little in the way of character. She's just sort of a silent dragon lady. And then Henry Chang, who is one of the revolutionary warlords and is our villain, is our villain. <laughs> and that is the most troubling part of the movie because of a lot of things um, that he does and a lot of things about his character and also who is playing the character. So basically every aspect of our villain um, is troubling. Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing is this is a white actor playing what I guess to the movie's credit question mark is a half Chinese, half European character. But it's not clear why the movie did that. And if it did that for good reason. Uh, and it's also really troubling that the person who plays him is like, famous for playing racist Asian caricatures. Like, that's his Wikipedia page. The dude literally played Fu Manchu. The makeup that they put on him in this movie is... is terrible and sticks out more so because everyone else is so elegantly dressed and art-directed and designed. And the fact that he is surrounded by actual Chinese extras highlights the fact that they put on, like, brown makeup on him, even though the actual Chinese people he's standing next to are clearly much lighter skinned than he is. And these absolutely ridiculous eyebrows that they put on with, like, what looks like black pastel crayon. Yeah, I mean, he is absolutely a total caricature, in appearance at least if not in the way that his character is. His backstory complicates it a little bit, but his backstory, like everything that makes this movie not out and out racist, also just makes it kind of confusing about what it's trying to say about China, because he's his plot is that he is kind of a stereotypical evil Chinese revolutionary. He's a rapist. He's... He, like has no clear motivation besides just screwing over everybody else in the cast basically i guess the implication is because he is half white and half chinese that he is like trying to prove himself see like that's the thing is like i don't know where they're going with that yeah he doesn't seem to have any motivation other than just being bad yeah, and you could, like, write in a motivation of because of his mixed heritage. There's, like, this weird scene where he talks about, like, I would rather be Chinese than than European. And you can write in a motivation of, like, this wounded pride thing where he is trying to prove himself as a Chinese revolutionary. But, like, that makes it so much worse. So... Right. <laughs> 
So I'm not sure that, like, I should dock the movie for that or dock the movie for... Oh, it's... I want to just abandon the racism and talk about, like, can we talk about Marlena Dietrich's outfits? Because they're amazing and everything she does in this movie is amazing and all of her staging is amazing. But, like, I can't because this is just this huge wall i feel like in the way of that and i feel like i don't really have the the right to just go like yeah but screw all that because her outfits are pretty yes her outfits are pretty but the rest of the movie is also phenomenal it's one of the most beautiful movies to look at that i've ever seen not within the context of this project but just period the cinematography is unbelievable it feels like compared to everything else that we've watched so far uh, in this year, and obviously in the previous years, that this movie was dropped in from another planet because it raises the bar so much higher for filmmaking than anything else that we've seen. Because I did not watch the HD version that you watched. I feel like it is getting a little bit of extra credit from you because you watched this sort of cleaned up HD version of it. I will definitely say, like, this is the best cinematography that we have seen in the project so far. Absolutely. I don't know if I would go so far as to say that, like, it is leaps and bounds ahead of... Uh, I'm trying to think of just sort of, like, another movie that we've seen so far that has pretty decent cinematography. Um... And I feel like there was one other thing we watched this year, and now I can't think of what it was. No, you know what? You're right, because the best counter-argument I can offer up to you is uh, Wings. Like, is is Wings, or there's just a lot of, like, workman-like stuff. This is definitely like, oh yeah, we haven't really had crane shots before, have we? There's all this stuff this movie does that, like, is almost invisible until I really think about it, that none of the movies we've watched so far have even attempted to do. There's a use of cinematography here as well to create atmosphere and to evoke symbolism that I don't think that we've seen before. There's a shot that I actually went back and rewatched because it was just so beautiful where after the train is stopped because everyone's passports have to be checked and the train starts going again, there's just a shot of the exterior of the train. It's pretty close up and you see the train moving and there are shadows that are reflected on it, but you can't exactly make out what the shadows are. And then we get to a part of the train where there's not, you know, the moving wheels of the locomotive and it's the outline of the soldiers on the side of the tracks holding guns. And I was like, wow, this is this is really atmospheric and really taking advantage of what film can do to make that happen. It was really striking to me because I don't feel like that has been done before in anything that we've watched. There's been stuff where it's like in Aerosmith, the shot of the cigarette burning where it's like, oh, here's some foreshadowing. But that's plot. That's not just establishing atmosphere. Yeah, I think we would like have for like the past like two years the last time i remember us talking about it was the big house mm -hmm. they would do shots like that as like establishing shots for the entire film right and then that was it you would have this beautiful shot of like the atmosphere of this prison and like this huge map painting and like people positioned really specifically for like shadows on the background and then that was it that, that was all the cinematography in the movie <laughs> Yeah, and this one also did it a lot on... There were shots that were not on people. 
there was a lot of shots of the gramophone or suitcases or whatever to give us a feeling of what the emotional arc of that scene was going to be or the emotional starting place of it anyway which i thought was really clever and really artistic i mean as far as the story goes yeah there are so many problems and the portrayal of the chinese people is hugely problematic but cinematographically there is no question that this movie is perfect (laughs) there's some editing issues yeah but as far as cinematography goes it is just gorgeous i agree with that and the editing is generally very very good as well there's a lot of crossfades in this i don't know what the actual film term for that is but like where one image fades into the other that became distracting to me eventually because i feel like they did it so much they did kind of overuse the crossfades but i kind of i want to talk about one specific cut that like stuck with me Because there's a specific moment that is after they've been captured and the train has been released and they're back on their way to Shanghai. There's this, like, jump cut where you hear the audio before you see the record player. Mm, Yeah. Where it's, like, this really down-tempo, sad moment in the plot that cuts immediately to this jarringly upbeat jazz song playing. And it takes a moment for the camera to find the phonograph that's playing this record. It was so jarring that I was like, did I, did the recording mess up? Like this, is this like a Skippy situation? Am I going to die again? (laughs) But then it was like, I, oh, it hadn't occurred to me that like, you can make an intentionally jarring cut. Like it's been so long since I've seen that in somebody's like editing back pocket. Right. Because none of the other films we've watched have even attempted that, let alone pulled it off. Right. That I kind of had to catch up to the movie for a minute. That's what I'm saying about it. It feels like it was dropped in from, if not outer space, at least the the near future. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels, in terms of the cinematography and the editing, it feels ahead of its time. It won Best Cinematography, right? That was the it, that was the nomination it actually won. Yes, good. What damn well should have, yeah. <laughs> I've watched movies from the late 30s. I know it's not too long before we get to movies that know how to edit and know how to light a shot, but it's certainly not 1931. Like... The champ isn't trying to do anything like what this movie does. Aerosmith and Five Star Final are both on the, like, cinematography level of, like, a 1950s TV show of, like, I Love Lucy. Oh, absolutely. We figured out how to move the camera and we're not, we're not fucking it up, which we've (laughs) done in the past, but we're not doing the crane shots this movie does. We're not doing the kind of, I would almost say pickup shots, but they're not pickup shots because there's such a big fucking deal in the movie. The exterior that... Susan's talking about like there's tons of just these beautiful environmental shots that are brilliantly lit where you just kind of travel through and around this train to give you like a real sense of space and atmosphere which all the other movies we've watched have been like one establishing shot there we're done that's your atmosphere shut up (laughs) so should we should we explain the plot of this movie for those who haven't seen it yeah i guess after saying that like i don't want to skip past the racism thing i'm now like i don't want to talk about the racism susan (sighs) there's a bunch of people of of varying stripes on the shanghai express which is an express chain to shanghai our two leads however are captain donald doc harvey 
who is a military doctor, and his... Uh, From England. Yes. His estranged love interest, Magdalene, who, boy, that's not significant in any way. Don't worry about that name. Who is uh, Marlena Dietrich, who is also Shanghai Lily, the, like... She's a famous courtesan. Yes. And the two of them kind of fall back in love with each other after meeting back up with each other before the train gets stopped by a bunch of revolutionaries led by... Um, Henry Chang. Yeah, who once, earlier in the film, his right-hand man is captured by the Chinese government, and he wants to find somebody on the train that he can hold as ransom to get his man back. He eventually settles on Doc Harvey. He does get his man back, but before he can do that, he tries to rape Magdalene and does, in fact, rape Hufei, the Chinese woman that Magdalene is traveling with, and Doc Harvey stops him from attacking Magdalene, but is going to have his eyes gouged out for his insolence because, who boy, this movie sometimes. Lily offers herself up. His argument is that he promised the English government that he would give Doc Harvey back, but not in what condition he would give him back. Which is one of those arguments that just famously goes over great with the British military. <laughs> right. They're like, like yeah, oh yeah, no harm, no foul. Fair, <laughs> fair's fair. But uh, uh, he's the villain who's Warner Oland is apparently the character's name, which is weird because I don't remember anyone ever saying that name. No, Warner Oland is the actor. Henry Chang is the character. Oh, that makes way more sense. I don't know why that wasn't processing for me. I guess because Henry Chang is such a racist name that I was like, well, it can't be that. Anyway. <sighs> Lily agrees to go away with Chang uh, in order for Harvey to get released safely. She then doesn't have to because Hufei, her Friend. Chinese companion, comes in and stabs him to death, Chang. And they all get back on the train and leave. And then there's uh, sort of the rest of the movie is Lily refusing to tell Harvey why she did what she did. Because she believes that love without faith is meaningless. If he doesn't just believe in her, then they can't be in love. And he is angry with her for uh, basically the entire rest of the movie until uh, a final uh, scene once they arrive in Shanghai where he says that he loves her unconditionally and they kiss. The end. You left out all of the cast of characters that make this movie delightful though i okay that's fair i mean basically you have like a it's almost like a clue situation or murder on the orient express oh yeah for the first third of this movie i'm like when do we get to the murder mystery <laughs> like who is gonna die and who am i like am i supposed to be paying attention to what everybody's motives are because then i'll know like who who killed shanghai lily nope that's not what this movie is. Because, yeah, everybody, generally everybody on the train has a problem with the fact that she's a courtesan. So there's the Christian missionary, who's Dr. Carmichael. There's the American guy who is constantly betting everybody about everything, whose name is Sam Salt. Which I swear to God, I thought he said Sam Sung for a minute, and I was like, what? <laughs> No, they don't have another white guy playing an Asian character. There's an opium dealer who is German. There's a French guy who was apparently in the army, but was disgracefully discharged, 
who it seems understands everything anyone says to him in English, but only ever responds in French, much to the frustration of Sam Salt, the American, and Mrs. Haggerty, who is an English woman who runs a boarding house in Shanghai and has a dog named Waffles. And who is probably the most casually racist of all of our characters, but also just generally the most misanthropic and judgmental as only old ladies can truly be. (laughs) Her plot is essentially that she keeps getting separated from her dog because her dog is not allowed on this train. And then you keep just praying that she is not interrupted in her quest to get her dog back. Because, like, literally the moment she stops looking for that dog, she's like, I have some thoughts about the people of China. And you're like, oh, crap. Or France, or Germany, or women in general. Yeah. So you're just like, boy, when do we get back to that subplot where she's, like, looking for her dog in the baggage car? Because that's that's what I want out of Mrs. Haggerty, is just more well-lit shots of a baggage car and an old British woman looking around in it. Generally, the tone of the movie is actually quite humorous up until the train is stopped by our villain. And it it's humorous without being silly in a Franz Lubitsch kind of way. Like, it's funny, but there's also... There's legitimate tension and conflict between Shanghai Lily, Hufei, and then the stuck-up people on the other side. And Doc is sort of the go-between. Well, and the French military guy also seems to not have a problem with courtesans, but, you know, why, why would he? One thing I will say for this movie that I really, really enjoyed is that it does not assume that the audience is uneducated. When people speak in different languages, there aren't subtitles. If it's important to the plot and needs to be communicated what's actually being said, someone will translate. But for instance, Marlena Dietrich and Emile Chotard, who plays the French military guy, they speak in French to each other all the time. And unless you know French, you don't know what they're saying. But it doesn't matter because that's not the point. The point is that it shows that she is erudite, that she is generally very kind, that she's very sympathetic. And the only time that they ever translate the French is when they've been captured and she's explaining to Henry Chang why he's still dressed in his military uniform because he doesn't want his sister to know that he was dishonorably discharged. Yeah. So I'm just like coming down off of the cinematography and thinking about how racist this movie is again. But yes. Well, go for it. Launch into it. I guess I just like am... Because I feel like we're coming up on rating this movie. Not like immediately, but before too long. Uh, And I started sort of thinking about it and thinking about, like, all of the things I want to say about this movie that I really love about this movie end with this, like, yeah, but yeah, it's really like the Reverend is really funny and kind of sweet. And like, I really love the sort of plot line where he is the one that discovers the sacrifice that Shanghai Lily was willing to make and why she was willing to make it. And it totally turns him around on her. Because, as you might think, a character named Reverend Carmichael did not like the courtesan very much when they met. But there's always just this, like, but of, like, yeah, but it's, it's, like, it's the fucking name of our podcast. Like, I don't know how much this movie stands the screen test of time specifically because it is really pretty significantly racist. 
And it's hard to take anything except maybe the cinematography out of that context. I don't think that we have to take it out of that context at all, because... I mean, again, that's the point of the podcast. I want to bring something up, though, that I find to be kind of fascinating. And I don't think that this forgives it, but I do want to address it, which is that Warner Oland, who plays Henry Chang, is a Swedish guy who claimed to be of Mongolian descent. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious as to... I mean, first of all, there's no evidence of that. You know, he just was like, yeah, I'm totally... I I have Mongolian ancestors. Yeah. Am I question here is like did he pull a fast one on hollywood and everybody was like okay well guy says he's from mongolia so whatever or was it that even at that time people would have grasped on to any kind of plausible deniability to avoid labeling any film he was in as a as being miscast i would say i think it's the the second one when you do not see him in the like literal fu manchu mustache I have a hard time seeing him as anything but, like, incredibly stereotypically European. I do not see the, like, vague Asian-ness in his appearance. It feels like just a ex post facto excuse for the fact that this white dude was getting cast as all of the, like, big Asian roles at the time. It feels like just, like, one of those, like, things that actors would say in the 30s, weirdly, Where you'd just be like, oh yeah, she comes from blah, and then no one would ever check or care. Right. People would change their names, they would change their entire background story, and the studio system encouraged that because it was whatever makes you unique and interesting is bankable. Yeah. But I feel like that's a different choice for the movie industry than choosing an actor who claims Asian descent in order to avoid criticism for racist portrayals. I mean, yes, I get that distinction in theory, but like in practice, I feel like they kind of came hand in hand. It is both like, here's my backstory, like here's the thing you can say about me in the in the newspapers or whatever. And a, like, so don't say we're racist. I feel like it's, like, both. It is both his hashtag brand and a plausible deniability for the studios. Right. I don't know if I can really separate those two. Like, honestly, you when you said you were bringing up something kind of in his defense... I was afraid I really missed something because when I read his Wikipedia page, this was the thing that weirdly made me the angriest and the most kind of like, fuck this guy and kind of fuck this movie. No, uh, not in his defense at all. Perhaps a defense of the director, except for the fact that, of course, then they go and Asian him up. This movie knows he does not look Asian. <laughs> yeah. If they honestly believe that he looked like someone who was Asian, then they wouldn't have gone to all of the effort to give him this absolutely ludicrous makeup. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, if you're gonna actually go that far, you've got, I don't know, a thousand Chinese extras surrounding you? Like, maybe look at one of their faces. Yeah. Just just an idea. I feel like that's why they had to go with the weird backstory about his ancestry, is that they did, like, the typical racist Asian makeup on him and then had him around actual Asian people and were like, whoa, this looks super weird and not like he's an Asian person at all. Right, let's change it so he's half white. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely am not going to give this movie a 10, 
because of the super problematic portrayal of race in the movie. And even with Anna Mae Wong, who is herself Chinese, her portrayal of a Chinese character who is entirely, not entirely, but almost entirely silent, hypersexualized, assaulted, and then murders someone is super problematic. <laughs> even if they cast a Chinese woman in the role. I agree with all of that, though I will say, like, Anna Mae Wong does, like, a lot with the very, 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 very little this movie gives her. Oh, absolutely. She's she's phenomenal. I found myself constantly wanting her to have more screen time and wanting her to have more lines because she was so compelling. Literally, my favorite line delivery of this film is... After she kills Chang, which has a bunch of complicated plot stuff that comes out of it, Shanghai Lily is like, I don't know whether to thank you or to tell you you were incredibly reckless. And she's like smoking next to a phonograph and just goes, think what you want. I didn't do it for you. And like, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And like. She fucking kills the hell out of that, which is, I think, her single longest line in the entire movie. It's not enough, but it does at least finally give her some agency and give her personhood that is independent from her white friend. Yeah. It's like, I didn't do this to rescue you. I did it to fucking kill the guy who raped me. What are you, like... Yeah. <laughs> how fucking self-obsessed are you that you think I did it for you? <laughs> yeah. Should we get to rate in the movie? Should we... I feel so awkward talking about this film, and I don't really know why. I I am going to give it a seven, because I feel like in a more culturally sensitive time, if this movie were made in a way that I think it would be made today, or that I would hope it would be made today, and it probably wouldn't be, considering how often white actors are cast, particularly in Asian roles. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like it would be a ten, but because... It has such a, a messy and problematic approach to race. I got to knock it down three points. I'm going to go with almost the same exact justification and say six. Okay. Like I, I, one, am docking it, I guess, a little more for that. And also two, we didn't really talk about this because it's such, it's such a just pet peeve compared to the actual problems of the movie. But I don't really love the moral of the romance in the last like 20 minutes of the movie i i generally don't think like romantic myths based on a lack of communication between partners are healthy or good yeah that's fair <laughs> that's that's totally fair but i also feel like I, I don't know that that's that that's actually the moral in this specific instance it's not a bad girl situation you know, there is the fact that he's completely aware of what she has been up to and what she has been doing. And that really what the moral of it is, is more like if you love someone, you trust that the decision that they've made has been in good faith and with good reason. Though she should have fucking told him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying <laughs> is like I get in theory that like there is a level of trust that you need in your partner and that like you can't go through life constantly having to justify yourself to the person that you love. I I think that that's all well and good. I think, though, in this case, he kind of had a pretty reasonable position in what the fuck. And she could have cleared it up really quick by going like, well, this. And he would have immediately gone, oh, shit. Okay. Crap. Okay. Thanks for saving my eyes. You know? Yeah. Again, this is 
like more of a pet peeve than a like definite actual problem with the film. I think definitely you can do a more generous read on that section of the movie than I'm doing. I don't think it is nearly as cut and dried as the racism in this film, for instance. But it did kind of bug me toward the end of the movie in a way where I was really like, I was fully on board until then. And I was like, oh, God, is this really going to be the rest of the movie? Is her not telling him and then him and then us sitting through that for a while? And, like, there's good character moments in there. It's well executed. All of the actors are good because all the actors in this movie are good. Except except for the... Warner Olin. Yeah. <laughs> and the acting in this movie, except for Warner Olin, is absolutely phenomenal. Everyone in it is complex and interesting, is funny. If they're not a charming character, the acting that they're doing is still charming. Like, Mrs. Haggerty is not a charming person. Reverend Carmichael is not a charming person. The actors playing them have their own charm that they bring to the roles, which I think is makes them more interesting than just annoying busybodies. Though I want to say that I don't, I don't think that the racism in this movie is cut and dry because there is the fact that casually racist characters are indicted for their racism. You're right. Which is why I'm giving it a seven instead of knocking it down further. Though I'm totally fine with you giving it a six. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I guess I would say like the nature of the racism in this movie is not cut and dry, but that this movie is racist is pretty cut and dry. Yes, absolutely. That was really more what I meant. It's like my criticism of the end of the romance plot line, like, I will hear a counter argument. I'm fine if somebody wants to tell me I'm totally wrong about that. If somebody wants to argue this movie isn't actually racist. They're wrong. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's absolutely no argument to be made there. That's like saying this movie is in color. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's in black and white. Like, there's no, there's not an argument there. So as for like, should, should someone watch this movie? I would say 100% yes, you should watch this movie. Personally, I would say it's complicated. If you think you can look past the racism, then this movie is gorgeous and is valuable to cinema history and has like a lot to recommend it. If you don't think you can look past a movie that has a significant amount of racist caricatures of Chinese people, which I totally 100% get, you shouldn't watch this movie. I would say you should absolutely watch this movie with a content warning. Yeah. It's going to be racist. And I don't think you should look past that. I don't think it's even possible to do that. But I do think that artistically, except for that portrayal, it's a very valuable piece of cinema. I also think it's a good movie to watch because it shows that there has been some progress that's been made there from 1932 to now. Yeah. Which made me feel a little bit like we still have miles to go before we feel like we've fixed whitewashing. (laughs) But at least we're not slathering some fake tanner on somebody's face and scribbling in their eyebrows with coal and calling it a day which well that is like that is totally damning contemporary hollywood with fake praise yeah it's like at least we're not doing blackface anymore (laughs) yeah it's it's a pretty low bar but congratulations ghost in the shell right yeah they just dyed her hair was it you know oh anyway on that Uh, uh, note yeah should we 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 get to watch the same musical for a third time, Susan. <laughs> Ernst Lubitsch returns uh, next week with uh, with Maurice Chevalier. Playing a rakish son of a bitch who somehow gets to 
screw his way into the best deal of all time. Again. <laughs> yeah, once again. So yeah, tune in next week for One Hour With You, which I I, I feel like this is... I have the worst case of deja vu right now. <laughs> yeah. A year and a half from now, I will definitely for sure not be able to tell the plots of the three more Chevalier musicals apart, like, fucking at all. No, there's no way. <laughs> but let's see how if I can even make it a week next week. Bye! <laughs> Bye! I'm sure you're very respectable, madam. I must confess, I don't quite know the standard of respectability that you demand in your boarding house, Mrs. Haggerty. I've made a terrible mistake. I'd better look after me dog. I beg your pardon? I beg yours. <laughs>